Hello and welcome to another Red Jackson podcast with me, Fraser. Me, Charlie. Me, Rick. And me, Sirhan. All right, guys, I'm in San Fran. Look at my background. I got the bridge. I got the water. They, they can't Woo! see you on the audio. They, they can't see you. That's why I'm explaining it. And I said, guys, Hello. to you, Jesus. Oh, that's so awkward because you're not actually in San Francisco. It's true. Like Rikesh isn't in space. Unfortunately, Rikesh doesn't have a moustache. Unfortunately for the for the world. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So (sighs) this week, well, this podcast is going to be on my little trip to the Alps, and also the reason the reason why I I went there, and the reason why I do these kind of trips, which is to raise money to uh, combat modern slavery. Very nice. Damn. And there are there are many ways to do this, and there are many organisations that do it. Um, I do most of my work with um, Tribe Freedom Foundation. No, I call it work. I've just try and do things that uh, that get people's attention and inspire, I guess. And um, so, first, I just want to start with you know how do we define modern slavery? Uh, with, I guess modern being the key word. Uh, and today, well, these days, it's basically it's basically when vulnerable people are taken advantage of. So, the most the most effective peoples would be like refugees fleeing war torn countries and things like that, uh, trying to cross the the channel into the UK mainly. Uh, and being sort of set upon by uh, human traffickers and smugglers and people like that who just seek to take advantage of their their vulnerable position uh, by promising them, you know, like a life in the UK, you know, if they make it in the first place, but then seek to exploit them in many different ways. And it's crazy that it's still, it's still a problem in uh, 2023, but... You know, like, um, so that you probably heard about the camps in Calais. I think that mainly. No. Came, well, it was it was I, like I in, 20, in twenty fifteen. It this came about, uh, and it was a big thing for about a year, until they they cleared the camp away. But the actual, the actual refugees are still there. So that's it, the Calais is where you you sort of cross the channel from Dover to Calais. So that's where mm-hmm. they sort of try to get across, like risking their lives to get there. Um, so that's that's where they're mostly picked upon. And yeah, it's still a problem in the UK. Really? Yeah. That's kind of crazy. That I actually mad, have no it? idea. Like, what's the thing? <laughs> Sorry, I by the way, I think I'm I'm being delayed because my camera and my mic is delayed. So I might talk and it might cut into someone else. So I do apologize, but there's there's a bit of lag. Um, I don't. Yeah. I don't feel overly surprised because I'm going to use these words, but I don't mean it that way. Obviously, it's something I don't agree with. You know, it's something that shouldn't exist, but it does because it's problematic in the sense of our standard and our morals and our, and our way of living. But at the same time, it's it's someone else's solution, and if it makes someone else's life easier and richer and more 
by taking advantage of others that's a, like a, a perspective that would never not never go away but it's like never surprising to me it's just become maybe a bit more smarter a bit more quieter a bit more underground but the idea of people taking advantage of others unfortunately is not something that wouldn't surprise me that is still around absolutely yeah. there's always going to be people that seek to make profit off of any situation yeah especially yeah. one like this so yeah uh, like I said, I I do most of my events and things with um, with Tribe Freedom Foundation, but um, probably put a link. In, I'll put in... a link, yeah, for sure. Like my uh, my Just Giving page is still running for like most of this year, uh, but I'll also link to a couple of other organizations organizations because there's quite a few in the UK uh, and ones that work internationally as well. Uh, so mm -hmm. there's antislavery.org. Uh, they are the first organization to actually campaign against modern slavery in uh, in Britain. They founded the first main anti-trafficking law, which led to the UK Modern Slavery Act. And this was in 2015 as well. So it, it probably was brought on by, um, by the wars at that time. Um, there's the Medell Trust, which provided refuge and freedom to the victims of modern slavery. And focus on prevention, protection, prosecution, and partnerships. So this it's the same with tribe as well. They do a lot of survivor um, resolution. You know, they try to help them get their lives back on track and things like that um, by developing properties and finding jobs for them to do and things like that. Nice. Uh, there's Amnesty International. You may have heard of. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're the world's largest grassroots human rights organization and they work internationally to uh, investigate expose and expose abuses educate and mobilize the public and help transform societies create a safer and more just world um there's unseen uk that uh tribe have done help uh, work with as well uh they have a helpline and they also provide survivor support um, there's also an app that they use so you can basically if you think there's a business or something that's profiting from from modern slavery like basically free or underpaid workers or people living in bad conditions then you can anonymous, anonymously report it and it will get investigated oh, uh, and it does interesting it does yeah what's the app called the unseen app the unseen app yeah, we'll, like we'll, we'll leave um, the titles and links and whatnot, everything uh, in, in our description and even send it yeah. towards me and I'll put it in our social media post. Yeah, for mm. sure, for sure. So that's that's just a few. Uh, you can literally search uh, like UK uh, um, anti-slavery chari charities and there'll be a whole bunch. Um, but Tribe uh, Freedom Foundation. So these guys they raise funds to fight modern slavery and end human trafficking as well um so it's inspired by the run for love so the co-founders they actually did a 1000 mile journey back in 2013 uh and they were they were obviously raising money to fight against modern slavery over 250 runners joined them along the road from odessa to dubrovnik dubrovnik I thought that was in Croatia. Dubrovnik in um, might be in Hungary or something. Or, or, or my, I completely fucked that up. 
Well, they were going across and they started, Europe. It says it says yeah. it's a city in Croatia. Yeah, I'm so uh, good. Croatia. Okay, well And yeah, they wanted to set up the first UK home UK home for trafficked children. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's that's amazing. A yeah, thousand. So yeah. Does that what what kind of thoughts does that provoke for you guys? And you know, what would what do you think? Would be the solution if there was one to um to stop modern slavery for good big question if money is more trackable um like i've kind of always thought this like if money was all digitalized and not there was no like paper money anymore every kind of there it would be very 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 impossible to hide very Mm -hmm. very impossible it'd be very hard to hide and like especially when paying someone so if someone's got an income that's like really low but frequent instantly it will kind of strike a red flag up Mm -hmm. Um, but then the problem is would they just be forced into doing it for not money rather than you know like you know as you said people who are refugees people could offer them a house as part of a a job you know like you can stay in Mm -hmm. this room in my house but you have to clean it or, or whatever and essentially yeah. that is a form of modern slavery because that isn't that isn't what the deal is you know that isn't how people work that that isn't how we as a society function so i don't know i mean it's it's a fucking big question isn't it to ask how <laughs> how would you fix it um yeah yeah i mean i, I don't have a clue how you would even go about fixing that i mean i think there's things that you can do to like raise awareness for it like like the tribe stuff that you do and the runs and the charity events that you do but trying to completely abolish it and stop it completely from happening i think um i think it's just one of those things that might it's just going to take a very long time before it slowly kind of weeds out of society but then even then it's down to like individual people right like mm. people some people are just greedy and are just bad people in general man like whether we know it or not whether people seem it that way or not it's um it's hard to judge a book by its cover right you don't really know what's going on through someone's head so um trying to stop the problem would be trying to to me would be trying to stop these individuals but mm-hmm. how would you find and track these individuals causing the problem? You know, I think that's a yeah. that's another big part of the problem that I don't have an answer to help with the solution. So, yeah, man, big questions, big questions on this party so far. <laughs> yeah, I I, I kind of see it as even like what you guys have mentioned of like tr- tracking finances or tracking locations or or, or their sort of um. I don't know, they're wheelings and dealings. But I think that comes within the spectrum of these people work outside of the system or on the edge of the system or they own part of the system um, and they have a certain amount of control, power, finance, influence. And even as you guys kind of said, like if someone comes to this country and they've not never been exposed to this system in this country and what we kind of perceive as the standard living rate and morals and, and the quality of life, then that person's going to, oh, come here, you've given me a house. I'm going to cook and clean for you. Never live my own life. But okay, at least I got a house. At least I got away from where I was trying to get away from. So there's almost a bit of that manipulation as well and sort of disillusionment. And I don't, 
it hurts me to say, but I don't think we can get rid of this in a certain specific way because it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a tendency of specific people within our human nature to take advantage of others. Um, I think it may adapt and grow and change just as it did when we speak about sort of the original sort of slavery. And there's, don't know, there's been elements of slavery in loads of cultures and loads yeah. of histories, but the, the sort of the the OG slavery that we've referred to in the West from everything from Africa to the, to, to the sort of the States and the UK and whatever. But um, I don't think there is a solution. I think we can have more strength and more tools and more accessibility on the side of people that don't agree with this. And I think that comes with, like you said, of everything from the links to the apps to us becoming more aware of it as best as we can mm-hmm. uh, and trying to observe things and alert things. But I don't think it's it's beyond my imagination to say, yeah, there's a way to get rid of this within our within our species, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, you'd think it's something that would kind of evolve out of. And I think we're, we're helping, I think nowadays we're kind of helping to set up the barriers to stop people from trying to, from being able to exploit people like this. And it must be getting more difficult, but people will still find more ways. And I hope that, you know, with the work that all these charities are doing, you know, maybe we could get to more of a prevention phase and help people like refugees and things like that. And people in those kind of situations that are that are vulnerable before they're left with no choice and basically human traffickers can get their way. Uh, let me ask you a question, Phrase. The, um, yeah. the charities, I mean, I, I imagine they all do different things anyway, but like, um, let's just go with the Tribe Foundation that you ran for. Yeah. What do they do with the money so they do they they do a lot of survivor support which is you know is obviously on the on the back end of it they'll develop places for them to live and continued sort of support in getting their lives back on track it's kind of, it's dealing with like the uh the post yeah end exactly. of things yeah which that, that's the, the problem isn't it it's like you kind of think you want to run and raise money and, and, and obviously it's amazing, mate. I'm never going to take that away. That's such a, you know, it's a great thing to do, mm-hmm. but you, it is hard when you ask, you know, what could you do to fix it? I guess this is what all the fucking charities are asking as well. Yeah. What else can we fucking do other than support them when they come out of it? Because finding these, these situations and finding these, you know, these wrongans who are taking advantage of, of innocent, you know, struggling people, it's, a big it's impossible to track. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and as Sirhan said, yeah. they live outside the system. Therefore, you can't even use the system to your advantage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It, I think it's, it's also the case of like, the, of, of like the, the, place, the, the displaced people themselves. It's like, you know, you've got entire countries fleeing and moving into moving through and in trying to find asylum in other countries that don't necessarily have the infrastructure or space to support them or the economy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, charities relying on generosity are not, are not going to have all the funds or the answers either. So no. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem like a lot of the charities, a lot of the work that they do, don't get me wrong, it is amazing work that they do, and it is for an extremely good cause. 
but it seems like like you said it's more on like the post side of everything it's more like reactive to the situation yeah more as opposed to being proactive trying to put in measures to stop this from happening in the first place which would be ideal but like we've already said like how would you go about putting up these preventative measures to stop this thing happening in the first place and um it, it is it's kind of hard to track and pinpoint exactly what it would be that you would need to do or the actions that you would need to take to stop these people before this becomes a bigger problem and one person can fuck up the lives of an entire family or like families in general mm-hmm. and it's 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 a, it's a difficult place to be in but i think people just try and do the best that they can and try and spread awareness as much as possible to try and heighten everyone else's awareness of it and i think mm-hmm. the more you're aware of it then it kind of constantly plays a thing in the back of your mind and i think that's what it needs to kickstart everything off to to eventually get to a point where we can be like okay we've stopped modern slavery mm-hmm. but i think that's a very long way away before yeah. we can be like yep, yeah it's it's gone yeah i like to think that the um the ideal situation is you know basically humanity coming together and unitarily choosing to support each other mm-hmm. and i yeah. think yeah it's 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 always working from the back end and trying to unravel it rather than finding the root cause and and tackling it there and it's all political stuff but um, yeah you you asked about some of the uh costs and stuff which i actually do have if you can see this uh oh that's me oh that's you yeah so that was a freaking um, wedge mate oh my god that was that was from 20 uh 2018 that was when i that was I at your peak run. or is that at the beginning of your your peak <laughs> you're still peaking a, that's the beginning of my decline mate. <laughs> 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 no it's um uh so one of the first um events one of the first big events i did because they do a lot of uh small things around the uk like uh 10k runs and stuff like that and runs in, in and around london um was in the azores don't you remember when I went away for that? Yeah, was that with the volcano? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. So the guys that did the full event, it was like a five-day run, like a marathon a day around the island. And I, I only went on the last day and did the half marathon. So and it was it was a bit peak for them because their day before we are we arrived in the night, right? And they were still coming back. They were still reaching that checkpoint. And they were coming down from the top of the volcano and then had to come down into the basin. And then the day after, we had to do that route the other way. <laughs> so they had the pleasure of oh, going wow. back the way they just came. Yes. And then we just kind of ran around. Wow. That's, That's awesome. <laughs> phrase why don't you and i think even for us we don't know the full story why don't you kind of give even for the listeners a little mm. introduction of 
how did you get into this? At least if, if, if someone listens to this and they want to play their part and how they can kind of enter this world and, and make a bit of a difference. But how did you personally get into it? What's the channels to become a participant than just a donator? It's, and maybe obviously yeah, talk sure. about your experience. It's not super exciting, you know, because basically Tribe, they they also do a lot of like health products, like uh, nutritional tr- products. So mm-hmm. they they provide a lot of like energy bars and and snacks and things like that that were working with my diet at the time, and they send them through in like packs and they have all their leaflets and stuff and what's going on and what they're raising money for and things like that. So obviously all their events come up in that, and I thought, oh, this would be this would be a cool thing to do and a and a cool reason mm-hmm. to do it. Uh, so yeah, I can basically like we're going to put links in I'll, I'll put links to the uh to the page where they have all their events and stuff so it's an easy way to get into it um but yeah it's it's just another another way of outreaching um so they do a lot of a lot of their products are for runners and things like that so okay. that's how i got into it and uh, is there um sorry is is there a particular criteria that they look for in a person that's willing to um like give their time towards this not at all not at all i mean like to to actually to go and join the event you still have to pay your own way so it's not like anything's given um but if you wanted you you could even they they even help people to start out if they're if they're just starting out running so like a lot of their events are done from london there's not many crazy big routes in london um so if somebody just wanted to get out on a weekday and go for a little run and have a chat with a couple of people, then they'll do things like that. And then they'll have their sort yes. of bigger events that they do in and around London. Uh, and then obviously run for love. So the one that I did was run for love free. And I think they've got run for love five or six this year, uh, which I'm, I'm not going to do because I, did this alpine challenge but yeah uh, oh yeah i was getting onto this stuff so their source <clears throat> the source of fundraising uh basically 60 67 of their entire income comes from community fundraising they also get stuff from major oh. donors and partnerships uh their own events that they do and uh their tribe products so in terms of community fundraising you're looking at about 125k wow. uh, and this this uh document is from 20 uh 2020 to 2021 i think so and then major donors only like 18k partnerships 30k uh and their events they, they from their events they only get about 2k so wow. Yeah, in in total is about 170k, with 125k of that being from actual fundraising. That's a really little amount of money when you consider the amount of effort being put in, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, all that much. Um, and in terms of expenditure, so uh, fundraising support costs about 19k into that fundraising event costs about 22k into that and then charitable activities altogether they put 160k 
basically into that. How much they have left? So they actually <laughs> they they actually spent more than they than they yeah, was oh, they, they came in because there's a hundred and basically hundred and ninety nine k outgoing and hundred and seventy k incoming. So wait. How, oh, what money wow. is going over to the to the actual cause then? Like, so that that was the 100, 160k. Oh chari- right, 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 charitable okay. activities. Oh, okay. So that's actually doing the charity, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Jesus, man, that is not crazy. Man. A lot that that. I thought, that, I thought these figures though. were going to be millions. That's really sad. Yeah. yeah, it's not even millions, mate. I think, like as sad as it is, I think a lot of charities or like fundraising companies would see like the same kind of income outcome on their on their expenditures like i feel like a lot of these charities will be spending a lot more than they make in because genuinely like how much do you actually give to charity because i feel like a lot of people especially like nowadays with the way everything is yeah people don't have a lot of money to just give away you know mm-hmm. so and i mean it, it, it isn't pleasant but I, I feel like there are realities that might kind of be a cause of that of that definitely more definitely. yeah yeah i mean if we all had like 100k in the bank we would have probably put like you know 100 quid 200 quid in uh phrases run but we don't and so that's why it was a 10 or 20 quid you know what i mean it's a massive difference but Mm -hmm. yeah it all makes a difference it all makes a difference to me anyway of course i think it's i find two two areas of charities uh that have put me off in the past and one has been a bit of my own sort of uh bias in the sense of not being against charities but kind of being a bit um pessimistic of like i don't know where this money's going i don't i don't freaking trust it you know like i've had moments like that where people on the street have stopped me i'm not one to ignore them but i've been sometimes i've tried to be at least be honest with them mm. especially a bit more back in the day i was a bit more brash i was like listen man i am skin and i'm selfish and i need this money for myself right now um sort of thing or i don't know where your money's going you know you speak a good you know, you talk a good talk, but I don't I don't know what's behind it. I remember having this conversation, I think it was in Westfield, Stratford. It was two girls I'm talking about, I think, getting people out of poverty in certain countries and whatnot. And I, I reflect because I don't really trust it. And then one of the girls, bless her, was like, no, no, no. I'm a recipient of this charity. Like, I'm in this country now because of this charity. Like, you've got to understand that it not only works, I'm a, I'm, I'm the result of it. I'm a product mm. of it. Now I am advertising. I'm working for them. I was like, oh, damn. Like, you kind of challenge that preconception. And I think the other side of charities that, not every charity, but it's the, the generalistic on TV ones, is they're just so, especially in this country, they're so depressing. They're so built more on making you feel guilty than giving you the pleasure of making a difference, in my opinion, of, you know, look what you have versus what these people have. I'm like, okay, I, I don't. I didn't mean to be born here. I didn't mean to be have this economic standing or, or society, but rather than kind of, you know, giving you a positive vibe of like, look what you can do. Mm. And again, these might be excuses and biases. And I don't want to say, as Charlie said, if we had more money, we'd give more money. But it's like, I would say that the, the smaller percentage of the population of the world that have the most money they're the most responsible because they technically have the most resources to give. Like what I never understand is you have billionaires, a million would be a drop in your ocean. Just yeah. sort one thing out, but I don't have that much money to know how they're thinking. So 
I don't want to make excuses, but that's just sort of my reflection of charities in general. It's true. I, I mean, I, th I think that's kind of fair, though. I think that is kind of fair. Like, um, I'm kind of the same way as you. Like, if I see charity people in, like, in the middle of the street, like, you know, oh, have you got a minute? Of, can I have a minute of your time or whatever? I'm normally the one to be like, no, I'm sorry, mate. I'm busy. And I'll just kind of walk straight past them. Because at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't know you. I don't really know where your money's coming from. Uh, or where it's going to be going to and um i think a big part of that was do you remember the coney 2012 video that went viral back in the day yeah yeah that. dude that that whole thing i think that was like the first time i'd actually like properly donated to like a charity and i think i, I think it was like the student finance that i had from university at the time i don't know how much i dropped to them but then eventually realizing that, oh, yeah, you know, by the way, it's a whole fake thing. You know, this is it's a scam. They've just taken all your money. And mm. I was like, oh, OK, I don't trust charities anymore because they're just, they're just taking my money. Yeah. Ever since yeah. then, that's kind of put a sour taste in my mouth with charities and stuff. And I'm like, do I really want to give you this 20, 30 quid that I, that I could give? But should I? Because I don't trust it. And I think that one experience kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth yeah. for anything going forward, which is sad, but it's kind of the way it is for yeah. me, at least anyway. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, I def I have that similar kind of, mate, I always want to help. If I, you know, if I see a homeless person, if I see a charity, there's a big part of me that wants to go up and just be like, yeah, let's do it. Here's a thousand pound. But obviously you don't have that money. And all I ever think is if I give, give this person 30 pounds, that £30 to me will go a lot further in making someone happy than what I think that £30 will do going that way because I don't think it's going to accomplish anything going that way. You know what I mean? I feel like it's probably going to... I know these people are volunteers, but you have to pay for the T-shirts they're wearing. You have to mm -hmm. pay... For... <laughs> that chair made a really funny sound. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and then instantly I just think, my £30 is... There's no point in giving £30 because it's not, nothing, it's not going to achieve anything. And that's the problem mm -hmm. because we are attached to the very little we have and not that we're completely broke but we are yeah you know we're all trying to save for something we've all got our own bubbles that we're focused on and it mm -hmm. is very yeah. very hard to pop that bubble and go yeah. no 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 here is 50 pounds i don't i've only got 100 to my name here's half not many people have that you know not many people yeah, can yeah. do that and it's it's a risky yeah. thing to do for sure yeah. expend yeah, for sure. expendable outcome is difficult i think that's why i feel more comfortable and confident to be more active now like you guys said like if fraser's going to do something and i trust fraser it's not about even the organization i'm like i'm funding your experience mm -hmm. so you through you we can make that difference or like me and tanya have spoken about like like making stuff doing some diy stuff arts and crafts cooking some food and be like let's actively go and give it out to people or or donate it to charities in, in mm -hmm. a sense or you know we go to you know charity shops and donate clothes and whatnot and stuff like that so i prefer to be a bit more active that's why I even seeing what fraser did it inspired me i was like dude let me know i would love to join this because it's fulfilling a personal experience the cause is a nice feeling and if it makes that difference obviously that's 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 the whole that's the whole point so mm -hmm. i think I've got to a point of being more active. I'd much rather give my time and energy than just the thought of my money if I can. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. I see a homeless person, I've learned to be sometimes more like, hey man, do you want do you want a drink? Do you want some food? I mean, I'll pop into Tesco's. Do you want me to get you something substantial? Then necessarily just giving that five or a ten and not exactly knowing where it's gonna go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Not knowing the end result yeah. there. 
and yeah i think it's it's tough as well like charities there are some bad charities that will give um donating and volunteering a bad rep and uh mm-hmm. you know because you do get like the billionaires that are that own charities and it's just like wait how does that kind of work yeah. and especially when you don't really see the end result for yourself it's like well one how does my money make any difference and two how can i trust it and yeah, yeah. it's it's tough in that regard it is it is it's not a i don't think it's a it's a blameable thing on the general populace population like i remember when we in this country we used to do um what was it the red nose day one Oh yeah, comic relief. Comic relief. Comic relief. Yeah. yeah, we've stopped that now, right? We don't have. Have might still be on every year. I don't actually know. It's probably just. I not would as assume big. it would be because it was I, big I, when we were kids. I don't know if it's as big, yeah, because I don't really watch live TV either, so it would not be, as much. Yeah, it would be on. It would be on there, and yeah, from I don't. I haven't heard anything from my brother and sister doing anything at school, so. we used to that used to be my favorite time at school i don't care if i was ill i was going in because they would have tuck shops and activities and games and all of that man yeah it's amazing i will say about um uh when we used to have red nose day and that um and comic relief i remember one year and i think it was the year that harry potter was like literally just coming out because it was quite like a lot of the skits were on harry potter and i remember they raised like I mean, this is just a ballpark figure, but it was like tens of millions, right? So let's just to say there is like 30 million or something. And then the next year it went on and it was showing what they did with the money from the previous year. And they built one school. And all I thought was, what a fucking waste of time and money if you're just building one school at a time in a, in a country, in, a, in, in such a large amount of poverty, you're building one school at a time. And I thought with 30 million, how much does it cost to build a school? I mean, it, it blew my mind. And, and ever since, I've never looked at Comic Relief the same. I, I just don't understand fully more adult. wasn't done with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, now I think we yeah. will cut to a break. And when we come back, I'll talk a bit more about the actual Alpine Challenge and how it went Yeah. Down. Nice. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hello, listeners. Fraser here. Now we've touched on a few sensitive subjects in the first part of this podcast and I just want to take a quick sidebar with you to impart some thoughts, ideas and just some positive karma out to you. Modern slavery aside, there are many problems in the world today and as much as we might like to, there's just no simple solution to any of them that we can action alone. However, I like to think that if there was at least one problem that each of us were passionate about changing and we each made a small effort to increase in awareness or activity, then collectively we move towards a better world. I'm not just talking about throwing money at the issue. Whether you're into fitness, art, gaming, adventure or anything at all that you enjoy, it can become a platform for change, whether you're raising funds or awareness. I'm certain that no matter what it is you're passionate about, there you will find community, and together we can move towards a better world for us all. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for the rest of the podcast. And we're back. Right, so, 
just to give you guys an idea of what kind of challenges and events uh, I like to do with Tribe. And, you know, I'm sure there are other charities and stuff that do these kind of things as well and all kinds of ways you can you can raise awareness or raise funds for whatever cause you want um but yeah this is the tribe alpine challenge and it was the first the first kind of hike type of challenge that they've had they've always been into sort of running challenges and marathons and ultra marathons and things like that so yeah that's the main thing that made me want to give this a try so this was done in the uh, Swiss Alps on the French side. So the the Alps, they kind of come down through Switzerland and then you've got France on one side and Italy on the other. So it's oh, in the, kind of a oh. weird place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so we flew in on the first day. Um, we went down to a lodge in a place called Chamonix. 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 Nice. Uh, in the Chamonix Valley. So basically, if you look in at this little town that's in the middle of a valley, you've got basically mountains on each side. And I've got, I think, sounds amazing. I think in, in France, like supermarket is a casino. Or well, you probably don't uh, say casino, you probably, it's probably like casino or something like that. But I've got, casino. I've got basically a picture of a casino in front of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, this this village, like it's it's nice, it's really small. The way you get there is just on highways. Um and you're basically surrounded by mountains and people paragliding uh down wow. from the top of the mountain. You can get ski lifts <laughs> up to the top of the mountain. Yes. Is that amazing. sounds amazing, but I just imagine people like paragliding around you and all that, and they're all from tribe and they're just like cherry, cherry. <laughs> welcome to chamonix this is my casino you're like oh my god wow but yeah on the um so we first the first day the first evening we all met there so there was eight of us in total doing the challenge so myself well, shout out to these people by the way dietrich steph Helen, Cider, Charlotte, Hannah, and Clara. Hannah and Clara actually work for Tribe. So they were there representing Tribe. Uh, We also have had a great guy called Robbie who works for CHX. So he he basically organized the entire route and the kind of route plan and all the equipment that we needed for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he sorted out the guide for us as well. He was he was a really cool guy. Uh, cool. So we oh, met. Robbie. Yeah, shout out to Robbie. And um, <laughs> we so we all met up on that first day. Uh, the next day is when we all got our stuff together and got ready to go out. We met our guide Francois, who's Francois. 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 Yeah. I was going to say the I, most I call you French name of French. <laughs> yeah. The, ma- the, the name, name of the word France is already in the name. He yeah. he is very very French, but he knew he he knows the entire like mountain range, all the neighboring valleys. He knows them all like the back of his hand. That's what, what you job. need, man. That's nice. what you need. Good man, Francois. Good man. Yeah, he's he's like he's, he's the man of the mountains, and he's known. He's he's like known around the area as well. Like he's famous, basically. 
Amazing. Um, King so, of the yeah, hill, mate. We, we basically made sure we had all the equipment we needed. I bought the complete wrong bag for it. So, oh. but luckily, Robbie um, and Alison, who was there as well, also works for CHX. Uh, they had spare equipment for any of us who needed it. So, I had a proper hiking bag with me. Nice. When you say uh, you brought the wrong bag, yeah. Well, what do you mean you had like a normal rucksack that you brought? No, with you? I had like, like a, I'd, I'd like a, I've got like this big like gym bag that looks like a yeah. flipping a, like a capsule, like a duffel bag. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and he, uh... Francois took a one look at it. And he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna wear that. That's not gonna be any good. Uh, so I had to empty my whole bag out and uh, swap it over, which was great. But it was it was a really good bag. Like I'm definitely glad that I swapped it over. Um, so yeah, we we didn't start the hike from there at the lodge. We got a uh, Francois like his people this people carrier, and he took us around to the next valley, to the Les Contamine Valley, which is where where we did most of hiking. And we started, mm-hmm. we started from there, basically making our ascent right there and then. Most of it was like walking up through woodlands, and it was wow. it was really hot there for some reason as well. And um, you walking up through these woodlands, following the trail, you see all these old farmhouses and farm areas. Uh, and you start to get higher and higher. You see the trees thinning out as well. And it's like the clouds are coming down lower towards you. Mm, and um, that's, that's really cool. It's, it's like you, you start going up and down as well. So you're like weaving in and out of them. Oh, man. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. Do you have many photos? I have loads of photos, mate. Yeah, we'll have to go through them. We, we, we stop for many photo breaks. Um, so we come up to, we we finally come up to this like clearing. I don't know how far up we must have been at that point, but we had been basically just steadily walking up. And you try to look at the sky, and in, instead of the clouds moving out of the way and revealing the sky, it just revealed a, like a mountain. It was very weird because it felt like the mountain oh. was kind of above you rather than like just higher mm, up in front of you yeah Whoa. wow <clears throat> really weird feeling that's um, crazy but we kept making our way up maybe i didn't write it down but our basically our first lunch lunch spot which had an amazing view of the surrounding valley uh a nearby dairy farm the Dude. the cows the cows they have there did you know that cows they, they have like a queen cow? What? And they like give, a bee. Yeah, basically. The the leader. And they give that cow what? like the biggest cowbell. But I feel and like isn't it's, what? It's always a female. Yeah. Yeah, they're all they're <laughs> not a queen. Cows, yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no bulls. <laughs> Yes, bad. No. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and like the bells are always going off. I feel like they must go crazy just standing around in like this small area of a field. Um, 
and the rest of it the rest of it got much more difficult from there like it sounds like it <laughs> i feel like we fucking mountain man yeah i feel like we didn't even make it uh that far up to get to that point but then from there it was just like really steep and it started raining as well oh is, no it's it's not too bad but yeah it was kind of it started kind of started getting cold mm. and um and slippery i bet as well slippery as well yeah yeah that, imagine toppling down a mountain and there was even this part <laughs> where um there was like a quite a fast stream coming down as well like this rocky stream and there's just this thin plank of wood to cross and we just looked at it like okay so we're, we're actually going to cross that and Francois's gone like Francois just crosses it no he, and he, he helped us across at points so did Robbie and um yeah we we just about made it past that and it didn't start stop raining from there. Uh, we just kept, had to keep going up. We could see the refuge that we were going to, and it just didn't look like it was getting closer. It looked like it was still <laughs> about a day away. <laughs> oh no! So you, you did all of this on your first on your this, first actual first, day hiking. The first day was the hardest. I'm pretty sure everybody agreed that um, the first day was just rough. Jeez. Um, oh, especially when you could see you could see the end the finish line but it's just like slowly 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 getting closer and closer and the thing is even when it's right there the way we had to go up we had to kind of zigzag up the side to obviously get there so that part just felt like it took forever damn but, when when we finally got there we were definitely happy to get there um it's really it was really cozy like proper wooden lodge fire stove uh the people in there were really nice uh and as luck would have it the rain stopped as soon as we got there pretty much um (laughs) typical (laughs) um we find out how high I'm pretty sure it was 1950 meters up what yeah they they Jesus. they write it on the side of the refuge which is handy yeah I would imagine they would and um do you know what an ibex is it's an animal yeah yeah it's like a it's kind of like a big goat type animal with a yeah, 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 that yeah, yeah. Like that. A couple of them came out, which was apparently very rare. So got to see those. Uh, I got the peaches. Yeah, I could show you one. Oh, there's one. Shit. Hold on. Hey. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah it's like a llama goat. This is the picture. Long, I like that. It's a llama goat. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes you was like watch out for Rikesh that'll keep you going did keep you going yeah <laughs> I thought it was him but yeah that was um, 
that was day one. So, like, da, 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 roughly da. how long was you walking on day one? Like, Ooh. how long and how many miles I did you travel? Think, I think it was about seven hours of walking, Ooh. of trekking. That's crazy, man. About 13k? 13.5k? 13.5k on your first day? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Props to you guys, man. That is... Like, 13k sounds like one thing, but when you take into account you're, like, however high up a mountain, and then you're, like, literally climbing a mountain at the same time. Yeah, that that's painful, man. That's painful. You definitely need the right shoes for it. Yeah. And you have, like, the walking sticks as well, right? So, like, help you. Yeah, those are a game changer. Those are a real game changer. Yeah. If you do anything like that, definitely recommend those sticks. So yeah, that was day one. Um, the refuge was really cozy as well, actually. But the thing is, like, you need a, you need you need like a sleeping bag liner or something like that, because they don't bother like changing the sheets or anything like that. They just let people yeah. get in and out of them. So you want like a barrier between you and the and the duvets and stuff. Yeah, and because they're so high up as well, like to get food and stuff to them, they have to get a helicopter to drop them off. I think. Whoa. I don't know if it was once Ooh. every month or once every three months, but yeah, they, there's a, a helicopter that goes around dropping off supplies <laughs> to these different. You do refuges. not want You do not want to get like munchy or snacky in a refuge. But like, let me just have mm-hmm. one more. But like, no, <laughs> no we have one. to ration. <laughs> so yeah that was oh day one uh so day two we left out about i think we tried to leave at eight i think we left closer to quarter to nine uh and then we started walking down into the valley nice. um so that we could then come back up and that walk down was like amazing in the morning we was walking down like through a forest, forest area, and uh, that was one of the highlights for me because that that little forest area was so beautiful, and there was a lot of like waterfalls and bits like that. Uh, uh, I think I remember you showing us the, some of the pictures of the waterfalls and stuff in the woods. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and just the terrain. It did look really was, nice. It was really nice. Yeah. Um, and then when we got down to the bottom, we then had to walk back up and it wasn't like we were climbing or anything but because it was at an incline for so long it was like one of the toughest parts of the day for sure we was probably walking up for about an hour two hours i think just this straight road and the sun was blaring down as well it was a really hot day um and our destination was this um a lake called lac jove I think that means like happy lake or something like that. Hmm. And um, it was in the opposite direction to the refuge. So we went up along that way, which was more more of an incline and a, a very long walk. I think it was the least enjoyable part for most people. We did get to drop off our stuff 
uh, along the way. There's just this farmhouse sitting out there that apparently could just leave mm. the stuff at. So we left our stuff there apart from our lunch and made our way up towards the lake, which we basically got up to by walking up next to a waterfall. Uh, nice. And then we, when we got up to the spot and we could look down and we saw the lake, <laughs> the idea was that maybe we might be able to swim in it, but there was no chance of that because it's like completely covered with snow. Uh, oh, ice wow. cold. It's it's weird how the terrain can contrast so much because we were just walking along dirt path and uh, grassy hills and stuff like that, and then just across it's just snowy mountain and ice lake. Uh, but truly, in the like the definition of nature, man. Like it's yeah. You see how it actually actually works because we've got such a contained atmosphere especially obviously on on this i don't know what to call it Name. degree of living sort of thing you got too high or too low and shit it's just like nah i don't care if it's summer here's some snow and here's the sun you'll be sweating and cold at the same time you're like <sighs> and easily sunburn as well a couple of people especially got, if got sunburn. especially bouncing off the snow the sunlight yeah it's even mm-hmm. more dangerous so we finally got our first experience with the snow, walking through the snow, which is most people's, I think, favorite part of it. When walking down through the snow, you're not just like trudging through. You can actually sort of kick off and slide. If if we're going down, like if it's steep enough, you could just kind of kick off and slide as if you got skis. Uh, but that's yeah. awesome. It's it's pretty Whoa. fun and pretty easy to go. Make it pretty easy to get down. The, the trek that that it was to get up. I think there's probably a video of, of us doing it somewhere because Robbie was filming, um, which I'll find for you guys another time. Uh, and then the route back was pretty straightforward, thankfully. Just went back and got our stuff and then just walked along the ridge the other way where we got to our second refuge, which was a more, it was a more modern one. Another thing as well, these refuges all had like hot water, hot running water and stuff like that, which was handy. Um, nice. But this one was like, it had just been refurbed. So it was, it was fairly nice and modern in there. Um, mm-hmm. And the food they make is really nice as well. Like proper refueling food, like stew and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Nice. yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I, yeah. I've been um, actually playing Tears of the Kingdom, and mm-hmm. all of this is just in my head. Like that's how I'm imagining everything. I'm like, oh, I can even hear the music mm-hmm. and like the, the, the wood stove and up, all that shit. Like, yeah, we set up waypoints and things like that. We just you did. I can oh, imagine yeah. it. You're, you're just phrases just there in front of the pan, just like throwing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, ah. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? I'm throwing my, I'm cooking my sandwich and my stuff. It's like, bro, do you know how to cook? <laughs> I learned just on Zelda. Just chuck it all in the pot. Just chuck it oh, in, nice, right? and then I have to hum. Right? Is, am I humming the wrong thing? <laughs> Um, that night as well, there was like this massive thunderstorm. Oh, are, cool. We, we were lucky to... Thunderstorm it, in the mountains sounds amazing. Yeah. We, it was lucky that we got back in time before it started raining. But when it started to rain, like it hammered down and there was there was lightning and thunder. 
going off like crazy. It was quite nice to um to fall asleep to actually. Oh, oh best feeling to fall asleep to, man. Especially when you're warm and cozy, when you have the complete opposite feeling, you feel more grateful for it. You're like, oh, I'm so happy I'm outside. You've literally Absolutely. gone through like every kind of weather as, as well. Like you started off yeah, from day one two with days. a nice hot walk, which then turned into a rainy mess. Then you got snow, and then you get a fucking thunderstorm. What's next? It was it was it was hailing as well. Eruption. I think <laughs> it was hailing during that during that storm as well. You got hail too. Damn. What else is left? It goes wild. Just missing a tornado. <laughs> Trifecta. <laughs> um. Oh, and and. Just to put in perspective as well, when we went up to the lake, we went up to 2,468 meters. So that was about nearly, nearly 500 meters up from, from where we started that day. And then we, when we went back to the refuge, we went down to 1,900 meters. So yeah, that was a bit of a trek. God damn, sir. Then the next day, um was probably the our favorite day as well as our our least favorite day because it was the last day <laughs> but um yeah yeah kind of yeah. a bit bittersweet yeah definitely towards the end it was like that but um behind the refuge the mountains go up like the snowy mountains go up so we followed this route up the side of the mountain at one point so because it gets so steep and the snow gets so deep you have to put on these spikes onto our shoes called crampons oh cool kind of kind of weird name um and yeah you just kind of pull them around your shoe and they just stay attached to your shoe Fraser, Fraser, I, I know. I've played Tears of the Kingdom. I have the snow boots. Okay. I have crampons. <laughs> this, is the, Tears of the Kingdom. I, this is the wow. only frame of reference I have. I'm like, I've seen them, okay? <laughs> I've played it in a game, okay? <laughs> no, that sounds awesome. I have no idea. We called them crampons. Yeah, crampons make sense. But yeah. Crampons. <laughs> Just sounds like you're going to get a cramp when you put it on. <laughs> or that you're going to put it up, yeah, somewhere. <laughs> To do something else. <laughs> clamp on, clamp off. <laughs> clamp on, clamp off. Is that what they were saying? <laughs> clamp on, clamp off. <laughs> we're cramped on. Um, okay, yeah, hold on. That... Sorry, because oh. it comes back. It is from the 1300s, okay? So the beginning of the 14th century. It's from an old French uh, word, crampoon, crampon, cramp, brace, staple. It's a Germanic word, so it's basically just like a like a staple or a stake, a spike of sorts, and it's just coming from old French slash Germanic word. Now you oh. say it, there's a there's some crazy like old pictures of the old mountaineers and hikers. The the kind of stuff they would be hiking in, just like a normal jacket and like this hat with a trim. And his yeah. long boots. Rago. Women would go hiking as well in like dresses, his long dresses. What? And there's no. there's, literally, there's literally a picture of uh like these people crossing a, a crevasse and it's just they've just got like this rope ladder or like this wooden ladder that they've put across. And one person on one side, one person on the other, and then they're just crawling across that. What? 
That is kind of cool, yeah. though, you must Jesus. admit. That's some uncharted bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> real uncharted <laughs> territory, man. In, this, in their, like, casual attire. Crazy. Wow. That's so fucking cool, though. It's a story to tell, isn't it? Mm. If you survive. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'll be honest with you. When you started off your story, there was eight of us on the first day. I really thought you were going to be like, and there was four of us on the last day. I was waiting for, like, this to be some sort of I was the only something. <laughs> We had to choose who to sacrifice when we got to the top. That's that's what the, that's why you went to the volcano one. The to first please time, the like, gods. That's what it was. Once yeah, a year, he needs to go there. and appease his god, but in different locations. Appease Zeus. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. Woo! Day three. Day three. Who died? Oh, who was God. sacrificed? Let's get, <laughs> let's get to it. Yeah. So what we were what we were climbing up was called Col de la Fenetre. Uh, and once we started getting to the top of this coal, as they call it, it really started getting really steep. And like, I've never had a, like a, I've never been a fan of heights, but I actually didn't feel that bad for some reason. And, um, yeah, when we finally made it to the top, uh, the sea, uh, of course, you can probably imagine the view was amazing. Um, we were probably climbing that for an hour to two hours or something like that. And then um, we had the fun of going down the other side in the snow. Oh, awesome. awesome. Mm-hmm. Did you get to ski down it or snowboard down it? After we took the crampons off. It got to do with it. <laughs> Could you imagine down. the one guy that forgot? Let's go. Poof! Just rolling. <laughs> or did you did you ski or did you snowboard? No, we 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 just hiked. We didn't have that kind of equipment with us. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say. Oh, okay, so you just kind of had like down. a duffel bag, Sliding man. Where's he gonna put those? There was, was a lot like snowboarding down how. There was a lot of falling yeah. over actually. Like if you if you slip, you have to like quickly go on your on your side. And try and dig in, otherwise you probably would just keep going. Just <laughs> keep sliding wow. down. Which would probably be kind of fun, but defeats the, the point. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when we went down into this valley, which is called the Bufontaine Valley. Like it was it's just this beautiful valley that looks like it spans <clears throat> on for ages, like forever. Uh, and we made our way round that and then back up the other side it was quite a nice sort of um i guess like a a breather from the from the kind of like extreme hiking we just did um until we started going back up but um it was just yeah nice valley hills grassy valley hills up and over to the, the top to the other side and like the strange thing is in the winter everything looks completely different like obviously completely covered with snow and it's all like ski runs and things like that so there'll be people out there skiing but at the at the time it's just uh just a hiking trail mm, that's crazy man and then um so we just started making our way down from there and uh i think that's when it started becoming a bit of a a downer because there was no more climbing, no more going up, and it started to rain as well, which was a uh, oh, no. 
but um yeah it was still beautiful making the making the way down through the um the alpine valleys and the alpine forests um when we started going down this this main road this main track there were some loggers as well like chopping down these massive long trees and pulling them back down the road it, it felt like a a level from like crash bandicoot or something when something's chasing <laughs> you like they didn't give a damn like there were there were some people hiking up the other way and the guy would just kept going like he wasn't going to stop they had to like jump over into the bush oh they, shit. Were, they were americans what? as well actually oh they fucking were not out. happy of course of course but I imagine the the guy driving the thing was probably not happy with tourists being around all the time. Yeah, but if yeah. it's a hiking trail, it's like, mm. what do you oh, expect? Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Uh, so yeah, we were heading down towards um, what's called Notre Dame de la Gorge, mm-hmm. which is, which I think, translates to "Beautiful Lady of the Gorge" or something like that. But there's just oh, like this yeah. small like church type building that's at the bottom. And that marked the end of our journey. Damn, son. Damn. Wow, what an adventure. Yeah. So from so, the t- top of the coal down to the bottom, that yeah. was uh, 2,245 meters. Fucking and hell. down from there. And that was so it took three, three two days, days and a Three days? Three days. Of Three days and an average of eight to nine hours per day. Yeah. No, uh, seven, seven to eight hours, I'd say. Seven to eight hours. Yeah. Okay, so that is kind of... And obviously completely random, different changing terrain and inclines and declines on top of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure Francois knew it like step for step. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just complete random what we was going to see you know especially when you're going into like a woodland part and then mm-hmm. you come out again and the trees part and then you're just in a completely different part of the valley it's crazy oh man it's like going for a portal yeah was it um a, a so was your provisions and how long you had francois for was it like okay we've only got you for three days so if we only make it this far in three days we have to turn back or was it like it doesn't matter if it takes us three days or five days we need to get from point a to point b like was it more distance or time i think it was all planned out in terms of like it wasn't a super difficult route um Mm -hmm. or for people who are like just getting into hiking and things like that i don't think it was that crazy like if it took nine ten hours to get to the next refuge it was more like um make it in time for dinner i think kind of thing so we'd want to set off about eight ish and we'd get there for about four five ish dinner dinner is always at six i believe what was the sunrise and sunset time for you guys I think it was probably about the same as it kind of has been over here this summer. Like sunrise is really early, and uh, probably eight nine o'clock is probably going down. Okay, so yeah, you have plenty of time. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
there was no race in the sun or anything like that. Yeah, I can imagine in the winter it was, it'd be an actual race against the sun. Yeah, I think so. And like, like it depends on the difficulty of the route as well. Like when we was at the lake, actually, we actually saw people on the other side going up um, one of the more difficult trails, like literally up the snowy side of this mountain, of this glacier. And they would be on more of a like a time trail. Like they would, the refuge that they were going to was on the other side. And they would definitely want to be getting up and over there within the next three, four hours, I think it was. Oh, damn. Yeah. It's, and, like certain and, like hiking routes, they have, they have like difficulty <laughs> of the routes, right? Yeah. Like, you would, like you would know, route. Rikesh. Yeah, I would. I would, mate. If I can almost died on a mountain. But there's like easier routes and more difficult routes, right? So like if Francois obviously would have known like the more easier route to take, which is what I'm guessing you would have done, mm-hmm. and then like the more advanced uh, intermediate level the trail. routes to go up. Yeah. yeah. Off piste as they say, yeah. He does like to yeah, mix yeah. it up a bit. Like he don't he doesn't just follow the well trodden path. Like he showed us some different ways and we took some different routes. But yeah, in terms of difficulty, we wouldn't have been walking up the side of that mountain. Um, yeah. And also weather plays a factor as well. So he, when he was saying like they need to make it over in like the next few hours, it's because there is a storm setting in, like there's a storm coming in. Mm-hmm. So Ooh, that's damn. that plays another factor as well. Oh, damn. Did you did you do some preparation for this race, like physically speaking? Uh, I just did a couple of walks, like the. the (laughs) Just went for a walk, you know. I I think (laughs) I was more prepared than some of the other guys because being in Kent, it's actually quite hilly. Like you can't get anywhere without encountering some kind of steep hill. Yeah, I know the feeling. So they they did do some like step challenges and stuff like that. So I could literally just take the dog and, and go out for a walk or, yeah. Yeah. Just plan a route. Nice. You know? Fucking well done, Freeze. Well done. Thank you for Honestly, that. Yeah, man. Honestly, Genuinely. GG, man. Claps and everything. Um, I didn't, I'll be honest with you, I didn't think you were going to make it back. Um, <laughs> not, not because you were going to die. I just thought you were going there to like try and kill someone. Sort of like that Archer <laughs> episode when they hiding. go to the... They go to the lodge and they're like they're gonna assassinate someone. I felt like it was that, and mm. you were gonna do that and then like find some hidden diamonds that you stole like I don't know how many years ago, and then just disappear. I thought it was I thought it was actually much, Indiana Jones you know looking for much. treasure up on the mountain. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise. <laughs> Fraser's there, like just trying to appease Cthulhu. I was but, wondering, um, like you know, what if something did happen, like. What if? Because um, one of the things to be aware of as well, there's wolves out there, uh, and there mm. didn't used to be. They got, I think, they migrated over to the Italian side, but when COVID hit, they started coming back, and Francois uh, oh. had seen them as well. So it was just, it was just something to be aware of. We didn't see any, but okay, yeah. that's good, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you have your death? I did not. I did not. I don't. Well, I don't think you could. I don't think you could have asked the wolves their name, especially if they only spoke Italian or French. Like, let's be honest. What are you going to write? Wolf? Like, it's just what all of them just. <laughs> no, no, wolf. All of them drop. Like, no, you don't want to no do wolf. it. 
<laughs> Le Wolf. But yeah, that was. Oh, that uh, sounds sick, though, man. Honestly, that yeah. does sound yeah. so good. Proper little adventure, baby. That's so And it, and on top of that, it was for a good cause as well. Like it kind of comes back to the core of what we're talking about today: charities and like. You know, you messaged us, and I, I I love that about our group of lads, where we're like we're always fucking super supportive of each other. Um, I'm not saying we're always going to have the money to give and all that, which we did. We all donated, but we're always like just amazed at what each other's capacities and passions are man and this is something that you've touched on before so it's just nice that you've not just done it but you've kept on it and you've gained something from it because you showed last time i saw you showed me some of the pictures and it was freaking amazing man it sounded like an experience that you will you know you can never lose this absolutely yeah and and the thing is about fundraising as well like even if you guys only gave like 50p it's more the thought that you guys are behind me and supporting me on this. Like it yeah. just adds to it as well as the, like, you know, you, you get through a day and you'll just feel accomplished and you feel like you got there because you had the people supporting you and you're trying to support uh, this cause as well. So yeah, it's, it, it all just adds to it. Like rather than just booking a holiday and, and going out somewhere, you know, just knowing mm that there's this extra layer to it is uh, fulfilling. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's something that That's we should, nice, some, we should do something like this. Go I'm down, man. I, I am actually, 100% I think I'm, down. I, I hate walking. Um, and, and walking up things is definitely <laughs> not something I enjoy. Up. <laughs> but with you guys, I would do anything and I would moan yeah. the whole way through it, but I would continue anyway. Yeah. <laughs> there's, um, there's only one, Mountain, there's loads of freaking mountains in Scotland. There's loads of trekking places, and and the and the, and the beautiful thing of Scotland is it's got like a, the law that you can almost camp almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you guys come up, uh, if you wanted to do something a bit more active, and there's so many varying like there's like ones that you really commit to, like it will take you not as long as Fraser's one, but like let's say okay. a whole day's worth, or one that will, you can do it within a day, like go and come back. Um, mm. So that's that's. I mean, I've only had one experience. I I climbed a mountain off an island off of Scotland, Isle of Arran. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Goatfell Mountain, and it was like it wasn't nowhere near as yours, bro. It was about nine hundred meters. Okay, and that's it took me in. Well, yeah, but like Going you said, up. it's more about the terrain and how mm-hmm. you go up it. And it took us about eight hours. It took us about four hours to go, four hours to come back. We did race the sun and it was freaking annoying because it was like really like it was really beautiful and foresty in the beginning. Then it got mm. really rocky and a lot of rivers and streams, which was beautiful. And then it became very just mountain. And it was like very hot at one point because it was like summer-ish and then very, very cold at the top. So we had like too much of heavy jackets at one point and then not too heavy enough. We, we ended up like taking off our jackets and bundling it up and hiding it in some rocks to go the last part. But the biggest yeah. piss take for us was like, we're two people in our prime in like thirties. And there's people like my grandmother's age. And then people like my niece's age, like three or four years old doing this, this up and down. And we're looking at them like, what the fuck? like, it felt like life was slapping us in the face. We saw that as well. Like on that second day, when we was going up to the lake and we're all like struggling <laughs> Just see these kids like running up and down. <laughs> like, oh. Nah, nah. Bro, I'm telling you, man. Heat. 
And they're just like running to school or something. You're like, you yeah. son of a little bitch. You're, fucking <laughs> you're motivating me, but you're pissing me off. But um, <laughs> yeah, I think it's one of those things that no matter what we do, if I'm doing it with you guys, I don't care. Yeah. I don't mind. I'll still enjoy yeah. it. Definitely. For sure. For sure. And I think we will end the podcast there. Thank you guys yeah. for listening to my story. Uh, well, I, dude, this is not just this well, is not just a story. podcast. This is a this is like a verbal diary, man. No matter how long Basically. you ever live, your kids and your kids' kids will ever will know this little fragment of your life, and that's just awesome. And I'm so glad you got it's to an share experience, it. Experience, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, an adventure. Yeah. Yeah, I hope it's yeah. just a prologue for, for things to come, really. Nice. Nice. But yeah, uh, I have been Fraser. Charlie. Rick. And Sahan. We have been Red Jackson. We will see you Red next one. Red Jackson! Nah. <laughs>